Are firms starting to deploy more practical applications of AI? Or are we still stuck with pipe dreams? Can machine learning be used to predict unforeseen events like accidents? If so, how can we combine that with predictions of future life events to improve financial planning? These questions and a whole lot more are answered on this episode of Wealth Management Today. Hello to everyone in the world of wealth tech. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, and I'm bringing you another episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast. This is the show where I share new ideas from people who are on the leading edge of technology and innovation. I'm a strategy consultant, and my company, a consulting company, helps broker dealers, banks, and asset managers make better technology decisions. And I'd like to remind you now, while you're listening, to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any future episodes, which would be a tragedy. This is gonna be an exciting interview in our continuing series on artificial intelligence on the Wealth Management Today podcast. My guest today is Robert Kirk, who is the founder and CEO of an AI firm called Intergen Data. His firm builds software solutions leveraging machine learning that help companies identify when their clients are likely to have important life events, what they could be, and how much of a financial impact that each could represent. I think this is a really interesting topic and an untapped wealth of of information uh, that I haven't seen any other companies doing. And uh, data that can really feed uh, proprietary systems and uh, especially financial planning tools to help project um, how clients will be impacted financially by uh, potential life events, all based on demographics, uh, you know, crunching uh, millions of data points across uh, the U.S. and hopefully globally soon about uh, demographics, where you live, uh, what your background is, your heritage, where you, even where you went to school and your major. Uh, it tells you all kinds of interesting things. Uh, so I really like their technology. So before Rob founded Intergen Data, he was a principal consultant for wealth and brokerage at Emphasis where he was a core contributor in developing proprietary solutions for digital transformation that drove tremendous business value for their clients. Prior to that, he was CIO at First Global, and he's been in the wealth financial services industry for over 28 years, almost as long as I have. This is a great interview. Go into a lot of interesting AI-related topics. You are going to love it. I'm not going to hold you back any longer. Here we go. This episode of Wealth Management Today is brought to you by Ezra Group Consulting. Broker-dealers are under tremendous pressure to retain and attract new advisors, and their technology ecosystem is a key part. Ezra Group Consulting is your go-to source for building the next generation of advisor and client experiences that will supercharge your firm's growth, increase user satisfaction, and reduce operating costs. If you're a broker-dealer and you want to leapfrog your competition, Contact Ezra Group today for a free one-hour consultation and 10% off your first strategic planning project. Go to ezragroup.co, that's E-Z-R-A-G-R-O-U-P.co for more information. (music) 
And welcome again to another episode of Wealth Management Today's podcast. I'm here with my guest, Rob Kirk, the founder and CEO of Intergen Data. Hey, Rob. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for the invite. It's, uh, it's great to talk to someone as yourself who has their, their, their pulse on the street. My finger on the pulse. Yes. As they say. So this is my, uh, no one can see this if you're listening to this on, uh, on your commute somewhere, but uh, this, this is uh, the first podcast we're doing with a video feed so I can actually see rather than just doing a phone call. So, hey, hey, stop that, Rob. Put that down. <laughs> yeah. So this is going to be a, a little different interview for me, but it'll, hopefully it'll sound better because we've got a little bit of connection here that we're, we're making on video. So, uh, Rob, give me a quick uh, one-minute overview of what Intergen Data does. Absolutely. Thanks, Craig. So, Intergen Data is a company that was, um, is based on machine learning. Uh, we use a lot of AI and predictive analytics in that sense. And what we do is we help banks, uh, financial services firms, and insurance companies uh, learn more about their customers. Specifically, we help them predict when their customers' most important life events might occur, what they're likely to be, and how much of an economic impact that it could actually represent to them in their financial journey. I love this stuff, yeah. So AI type of technologies are things that I know I'm, I've been getting to for a while and, and people really like to hear about, and I think this is the cutting edge and where everything is, is moving. So when you, when, as uh, the CEO and founder of uh, an AI firm, you you are you are on the pulse of AI trends and, and what's going on. So, can you tell me a couple of, of AI trends you're seeing? I know we we talked a little bit before about uh, what kind of practical applications firms are deploying now. Before AI was sort of pie in the sky, uh, you know, Terminator stuff. Now they're re we're really seeing practical applications. So, what are, what are you seeing most often being used? Uh, AI being deployed as so I'm seeing it in several areas. Let's talk first on the, um, uh, the practical side, right? So we see uh, AI being used in pattern recognition, really understanding the nuances uh, that would relate to stuff like uh, brain cancer, things that would happen to lung cancer or macular degeneration within your eye that you add on this little lens and it, you can look it through your iPhone and it would actually tell you uh, here's what's going on and here's how it looks. In fact, that the computer can difference between hundreds of thousands, if not millions of, of, of different color sets. You know, the difference between fuchsia 2.001 versus a different fuchsia um, is very big. So in from the medical and the health sciences, it's been huge. From other sciences, we've seen where they're 3D printing lungs and they're using the math around how to actually use stem cells to create uh, human organs, or BMW or Honda having auto and self-driving motorcycles that use your iPhone app to call your motorcycle and it drives to you and it auto-stabilizes so it doesn't fall over. Um, those are some of the more unique and practical aspects that we've seen. But I think from this point, what we're seeing is a change of how do we take that and how do we go into other industries and the explosion has just been absolutely tremendous. We've seen it in uh, a number of different ways, going not just in the sciences or in the health area, but in understanding people and understanding what they do. So those are 
the biggest practical trends we've seen recently. Those are all incredible uh, stuff that's really changing the way we're going to be living. But those, uh, how do those different areas uh, of practical applications in other industries, how does that translate into wealth management? So it's a great question because the translation is around not only pattern recognition, not optically, but understanding the data. So here's a, here's a great way that I've seen some, some very big firms take a look at this. They have a lot of customers. Let's say it's a large custodial firm and they have, you know, 4 million customers and they have this call center, they have a service and support center, they have advisors and they have people that, you know, help them. Mm-hmm. So what they're noticing is who's calling. They're starting to track more information from at what particular time does this group of people call and, and what are they calling about? What are the common requests? So in some of the things, we actually know that there are, there are basically five ways that any one person can interact mm-hmm. you know, with an advisor. You can physically talk to them like we're doing today. You can email or text the person. You can log in online. Uh, you can send in that request if you want to. Uh, you could actually work with a chat bot. Um, and so mm-hmm. there's not very many ways that they can do this. And typically, they're going to call either your sales organization, your support organization, or your services. So if it's sales, it's going to be, hey, you know, I'd like to find out about this financial plan or this type of an investment product. And they're taking the data of who's calling, what they're calling about, and why they're calling, and what information was given to them. And they're starting to put that into a very large sets of data. They'll do the same thing for the support side. When someone comes in and says, you know, where's my money? Did my trade settle? Where's my check? Where's my ACAT? Uh, or on the other side where they're saying, hey, I forgot my, my password. Um, I don't know my information. I need to find out about my account or can you help me with other, other issues? And they're grouping that data together. And then they're starting to see patterns of, Typically, people only call for very few reasons. So you don't call your advisor to, to constantly talk about children and 50 other things. You, you call for a reason. You log into your account at your bank for a reason. And they're starting to see the similarities between the, type, the types of people. So people who are, are accumulators in wealth, people who are decumulators, people who are really trying to set up estate plans and they're grouping them by various types of things. That data is amazing because now what they're starting to see is, Hey, these groups of people tend to call at this time of the month when towards the end of the quarter and they're concerned about their fees or their commission or how they're doing. Well, if they're starting to get that data in advance, maybe the firms and what they're doing and where I'm seeing this is they're taking that data and then they are sending out emails or sending out alerts ahead of time. And that reduces the call volume. It reduces the cost and expense and the customers themselves start to say, Hey, mm-hmm. this guy knows me. They're starting to send me information that's relevant to me. And, and right. that, that's kind of really powerful. Yeah, it seems very powerful. And, and what's the next step in my mind? And I know, we were, we were discussing this a little bit before was once it translates into wealth management, then, and you've got all that data building up in these different wealth management silos, how can you then use predictive analytics to leverage that data to enhance things like financial planning? Well, that's, that's a huge topic and it's one that's, <clears throat> that's dear to my heart. Um, the best way to say this is, you know, I kind of started the company uh, based on my, uh, 
my grandfather and him passing away. Passed away at 96, but you know, he had Alzheimer's. And wow. um, it was something that, that uh, affected our family. It was a life event. And that life event was so impactful that I saw all of us, my parents, myself, family members, relatives, making some poor decisions financially, making some poor decisions because it was all based on emotion, right? It's a loved one. You know, but at the time when somebody gets to the 90-year-old stage and, you know, he passed away, lived a great long life to 96, but at that point, you have to start thinking, why didn't we plan for this? Well, when we didn't realize this, but it, you know, this is back in 2011, I mean, the costs were $12,000 a month for a long-term care facility, $1,800 a month for medication, and roughly around four or 500 for special care. This is, you know, it's a $170,000 plus venture for four years that we had to put it home. That's a number that should scare all Americans. So when we think about, you know, how AI can help, um, it really goes to the crux of me starting this business. I said, there's gotta be a way that we should have planned for this. There's gotta be a way that we really kind of needed to look at it. And so what I saw and I, I started to go after was, if financial planning tools and advisors don't really think about those things, is there a way to do that? And that's where AI came in. That's where machine learning came in. That's where looking at, at the data of what typically happens to people at certain times, what typically happens to them, and is this something that's important enough? Um, you know, I, I also say that I have, you know, two, two beautiful daughters, 11 and 14. But I know now that in, in my financial plan that I haven't planned for, well, starting to, I've got two cars, two insurances. They're going to say two proms or life event, right? Sure. Two graduations. I've got two colleges, two down payments on homes, and two weddings. Hmm. And none of that's in my financial plan. And, and unfortunately, the only way it's added is by by physically entering each number. And, and I think that if you know these, if you know what's coming up, you should be able to plan for it. So is there a way to automate this? Is there a way to grab that data and find it, you know, in comparison to people like me? Mm -hmm. well, the answer is yes. And the only way to do that is, you know, is through machine learning. Right, so you were talking about having um, all those predictive events. So one thing I, I like when I saw the demo of your software is it, it sort of predicts out based on your demographics, your genealogy, your heritage, and things like that when, and where, what, the, what part of the country you live in, what your career choices are, or what, what you went to school for. How does that all work? How does it figure out, like if I'm, I'm a computer science major, and, and you know, I live in New Jersey, and how does it know that, well, you're most likely to be married in, within this range, to have this many kids, and so how does that all work? I thought that was really cool. So let's go back to my, to my girls as an example. Uh, and by the way, that's a, it's a really interesting question on many levels, but if we start with something that's relatively um, easy, the simple brain, I like to work simply and keep mm -hmm. it moving forward, but with my two girls. So Craig, let's say that you had two girls and they were um, 24 and 27. Um, let's say I have three girls. Okay. And what ages? 24, 21, and 16. All right. There you go. <laughs> so, so, your your 21 and 24 year old kind of are the same age that my difference that my 14 and 11 year old. So I would come to you and say, Hey, Craig, when your daughters started driving, I would ask you, what did you do? And you would say, Oh, I had to look at insurance. I had to go this and don't forget about this and be careful of that. 
you would actually start telling me your experiences. And when they went to college, what did you do? How long did it take? What did you pay? Right? You would give me your experiences. Mm -hmm. that's, that's data. And in essence, what I do is I take a look in, in my data set. I've got 10 years history of the U.S. So let's say there's 300 million people or 320 million people in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I go back 10 years and I say, and let me take a look at what's happened to other people. What have been their experiences? Mm -hmm. So in essence, and, and this is the only time you're ever going to hear me say this, but you know, thank goodness for, for, for government red tape, because when you buy insurance, you have to fill out paperwork. Mm. When you get married, you have to fill out paperwork. Uh, if you happen to get divorced, you got to fill out paperwork. If you buy a car, buy a home, if you go to, go to school, and each one of these applications, they're going to collect data such as, you know, your, your race, your gender, where you live, right. you well, that data and, and most of it is public. Um, and so you can go find it. And if you find it, you can start to correlate it to somebody that is like you. So if you think about it in essence, in, in its most simplistic nature, I take 320 million Americans and I drop that down. So I'm male. I drop that down to 160 million Americans. Mm -hmm. I happen to be Native American Indian. So I drop that down to 12 million Plus, Americans. Right? That's a small set. Right. And then I turn around and I say, or maybe 8 million Americans. Mm -hmm. um, and then I turn around and I say, okay, well, how many work in financial services? How many work in technology? How many are doctors? How many are this? How many are that? And I try and correlate that data. And then I historically go back and look at all the things that have happened to them that we've been able to capture. Mm -hmm. I say, hey, on everyone's experience of people like you that are just older than you, that's wisdom for you. And so what I do is I take that and then I start to use more machine learning to correlate products and services. So what should you be thinking about? How much does it typically cost? Mm -hmm. And if you live in, you know, New York and, and, you know, buy a home much different than if I live in Texas. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the basics behind it. And hopefully that gives you a, a good enough uh, background and information. Yeah, but do you feel that this, how will this change? So if more firms start using your software, how is that going to change how advisors interact with clients? So I think that there are three main areas that it's really going to help. First, it helps you understand your client. It helps you have better, more contextual relationships with the people you're talking to. So you're only as good as your updated information on your CRM or how much information you remember about somebody. I know a good, good example. I meet many, many people, uh, but I, when I really want to know somebody's name that I forgot, I'll go to my wife and if we're in a you know, public setting, I'll say, hey, Nikki, um, I want to introduce you to my wife, Nikki. And she'll say, oh, my, my name is Nikki. She knows that that's our little, our little code that says, hey, Rob forgot that person's name. So the hard part, you know, I laugh about it, but the hard part is I can't remember everything and everybody, but a machine can. So when the machine can help somebody not just keep track of the top 20% of their clients, it can keep track of all of their clients and all of the things happening. And what we would do with that data would be to help nudge the, the advisor to say, hey, this person's child that you opened the account for 20 years ago is about to think about having a child themselves. Maybe you should start talking to them or building a relationship or 
nudging them about, hey, a 529 plan or insurance or maybe buying a home. Those are the things that a computer can help you build that relationship because what I like to say is you're contextually relevant to their time of life, right? Their stage of life. So what does that mean? Yeah. And so that's the first piece. Uh, the second piece, and it really is kind of an offshoot of that, is you can actually let the computer start to automatically market to your clients for you. So what I like to term is automated intelligent marketing, um, you know, with the tagline, let us help you take aim at your clients. Um, huh. we, can actually, we can actually help you kind of say, let's drip market campaign these people, kind of the set it and forget it. The computer can start making these correlations faster than you can. Sure. You don't have to worry about it. Don't, don't do the mundane things. Build the relationships. Understand the products. That's, that's really where you can be extremely helpful. And then using the computer to kind of take away the administrative tasks. So look at advisor efficiency. We think that's going to be key. And thirdly, um, we think that a, another way this could be useful is in, the, is in the compliance of things. So if you think about compliance, and, and I'm not going to go into too much detail because we'll have some, hopefully some good stuff coming up at the end of the year. But in terms of, you know, are you selling the right products and services to the people? So I look at it in terms of a life stage. We know for a fact you don't sell annuities to 20-year-olds or 90-year-olds unless you want to go directly to jail. However, if they have a certain level of income, if they have a certain liquidity status, if they're of certain age, um, then you can actually start to say, hey, this is appropriate to sell this type of a product to this person. On the flip side of that, if it's out of bounds, then maybe you can start looking at different things. I'm not you know, going down between the lanes, I'm kind of going out of bounds. Maybe you should start to be alerted to those types of things. Or more importantly, it is maybe you should really think about what the next best action would be. And that next best action to us is big because if you have data that says, I've got 50,000 clients that are that are run very well and they're in compliance in terms of the products and services. And I got another group of people that are five or 10 years earlier, but look like those clients, then maybe you can also get involved in that and help them by understanding what these customers have by also recommending new products. And that maybe is four instead of three, but I think there's a couple things there that could be really helpful. Yes. Um, when my children graduate college, you know that, the day they were born because if, if 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 you were my advisor craig you would know when she was born because you have a the information as a beneficiary so you could actually plug in 14 years plus 14 you know n plus 14 n plus 18 n plus 24 n plus 27 and if i can in my product give you events that says here's when they're likely to get married and when they're likely to buy in their car buy their home have their children um, you can help me help them. You can also help them. So anytime that that marketing can be tied directly uh, to a, a product or service, as well as to a, an individual that contextually relevant, it kind of makes me think, Hey, Craig gets it. Craig knows me. I don't even have to ask. And Craig is sending me the right stuff. You know, that's an advisor that is, that is more than an advisor. They're a trusted concierge. And that's what I think is, is, is huge. I want to take a little break from this episode to talk to you about one of my favorite sponsors, the Invest in Others Foundation. 
Invest in Others is a nonprofit. You can find them at investinothers.org. And they look to raise money and give out donations, or they give out awards to charities that are sponsored by financial advisors. So it's financial advisors, uh, favorite charities, charities that they spend a lot of time supporting. So Invest in Others looks to get sponsorships from the industry and funnel that money to advisors' favorite charities. I really like this this charity uh, and this nonprofit. I think you should take a look at it. Again, investinothers.org. They've got a couple other programs. One is a Grants for Good program. Uh, again, delivering money to different needy organizations and needy groups. They're also starting a corporate awards program, which is going to be a little bit different, but still within the industry. Uh, another way for financial services, uh, wealth management, corporations to help uh, donate money to people in need. So I really like Invest in Others. I think you should take a look at it. Invest in Others. Let me spell this for you. I-N-V-E-S-T-I-N-O-T-H-E-R-S dot O-R-G. One question I, I hear a lot is that once AI starts to help advisors, what's to stop robo-advisors from using the same AI, same AI to take business away from advisors? Interesting question. There's, I would say in, in multiple ways. Most robos that I know today, ETFs, um, mutual funds. I don't know any robo-advisors that are doing insurance. I don't know any that are doing estate planning, um, that are doing, you know, trying to look at your AMT amount, your passive tax amount, really trying to bring that together as a family. Uh, I think that's where the advisor has the edge. So if we look at the typical common, there's there's debt, there's investments, there's education, there's retirement, there's insurance, there's tax, business planning, income planning, estate planning, and then special situations like, you know, my grandfather. That's more wealth management. Uh, I think that the robos have a, a lot of learning that they're going to have to do before they start offering all of those products. And, you know, during that duration, you know, I can't tell you what happens or 10 or 15 years, um, but I would, I would gladly say that the advisors still have a, a big edge and that if they can really show their worth by helping by helping individuals more as a family and really helping them kind of put everything all together I think that they're gonna have their way for a while that doesn't detract from the crux of your question which is you know can a robo advisor do that well sure they can but there's a there's a long line to understand what an eyelet is a crut or a crummy and these types of products are specific. And right now, the robo-advisors just aren't that sophisticated yet, in my opinion. Mm. How, how far away are we from them becoming sophisticated enough? So I think it... it, it when does Skynet become uh, <laughs> aware, self-aware? So when Skynet becomes self-aware, we won't know because just like our kids, no one taught them how to lie. You know, when yeah. you ask them, did you eat the cookie and they have chocolate on their face? Kids not I didn't do it. Not any no cookie, right? You, you laugh, but they 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 just do. They just learn, and I think that, that they don't know how to lie well. <laughs> True, um, but in that instance, I think that when the computer does become self-aware, we're not going to know because it's going to hide itself. Now, if you if you want to go the 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 joking route, I would say that you know when the computer does learn that it's it is 
all knowing. Hopefully it realizes I make a good pet and, and that I, I'm obedient. <laughs> um, but no, seriously though, in, in reference to your question, I, you know, I, it's, what's interesting to me, and I'm going to try and sum it up this way. I think it happens way sooner than anyone believes. Uh, and the reason why I say that is if you look at, you know, Kasparov and what I, IBM did, you know, oh gosh, almost 40, 50 years ago, mm-hmm. it, it piled through sequentially one decision to another decision to another decision to another decision. It had enough compute power to serially go through enough computations to beat a human. Today, the systems are learning so much faster. And when I mean so much faster, I'll give you an example. So I think it was, and I forgot the name, it was on Facebook that was announced that they have a AI that's learned to beat top poker players in Texas, you know, Hold'em. Right, it knows how to bluff. because yeah, it knew how to bluff. And it did it within, I think, two weeks. The amazing part about that is you and I can go across, and we can say, Craig, we're going to meet every day, we're going to play three hours a day, and we're going to learn how to play Texas Hold'em. Mm-hmm. If you add up all those hours and, you know, the, the 365 and a quarter days, we get X amount of hours in. So if, let's say we get that, that, that magic 10,000 hours to learn. We're only as good as we've been able to play each other. And that's right. how much we learn. But the computer can learn by actually creating copies of itself. So it can yeah. have not 1,000, not 10,000, but 100,000 copies of itself playing against itself learning on both sides. Hmm. It can learn within a matter of weeks what would take a human a century. And that, that, that steep curve is, is phenomenal. And I don't... I think people are underestimating the ability, even if it's wrong, it's still going to learn something, right? So until I couldn't give you the the time, Um, if I did, I'd make a lot of money, but I think it's, 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 uh, I think. What are we waiting for? (laughs) I'm trying, I'm getting there. I, I I think that within three to five years, going back to your robo question, I think robos can learn to do more simple products that can learn to do some insurance, that could learn to do some debt calculations and budgeting, they could learn to do some uh, additional things that would require um, more basic but more encompassing um, asset allocations to include more products. Uh, so I think within three to five years, you could see out of the 10 that I rattled off in wealth management, I think you'll probably see them start to take a foothold in four of them. Um, and that would probably be. Uh, insurance, retirement, um, investment, debt. Um, education is always going to be there, but you still need somebody to talk to. Um, and unless the computers get much better at kind of mimicking humans, um, then that might be a possible way too. So maybe five. I, I just corrected. Right. You, you, you grabbed my last question. My last question was, what's your prediction? But that's good. Glad you, you predicted what my question is. See, that's why I'm here. That's impressive. <laughs> Are you typing in all my questions into your system and it's predicting what my next question is going to be? I am not, but like Sophia the robot, I've already read all your blogs. I already understand you. Right. <laughs> so you can just keep going. Yeah. Just pretend you're me. <laughs> <laughs> so there was one, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. So there was one um, thing that I wanted to ask before we, we go was um, about compliance. Yes. So what are some of the ways that you see AI helping with compliance? So that's a, that's a, that's a big question. Um, 
if you think of life events, and I'm going to, I'm going to relate it to my core product and this is, this is my true belief. So, um, no one buys insurance because it's on sale. You buy insurance because you, you, you bought something, you broke something, or you created something. Those are life events that happen. If I can understand the likelihood of you getting a disease, let's say, uh, so I'm Native American Indian, um, let's say um, I can give you the number, there's 1.12 million people in, in Texas that are Native American Indian, that's a good number. If I can give you the fact that 12.6% um, of them get arthritis, that's another good number. But how do you get my propensity? How do you understand uh, what's my likelihood of getting arthritis? Well, we've come up with some novel ways. You know, we've worked with um, and sought guidance through the, the FDA and the CD, CDC, and, you know, it all relies upon heritage. Now, I'm not going saying and taking a swab or taking a blood sample, but we've, we've mathematically found a way to help generate information about when someone is likely to um, to get sick, to you know, have cancer or you know, some debilitating disease or something else, right? So it's, it's life events, good and bad, um, marriage, divorce. And as we look at those events, we also look at the expenses, the products and the services and what should be recommended. So if you're recommending something outside of those bounds, if you're looking at something that may or may not be suitable, we're never going to tell you that it is or is not suitable, but we think we have a very good track on here's something that's operating within the lanes, within your guardrails of the firm. And if it's something that's outside or getting close to the guardrail, we think we should alert you. And those alerts can be very proactive because we can sift through 20 million clients, you know, in a matter of hours versus what it would take for you to hire you know, a thousand people, let's call them compliance people to go look at this data. Um, we think we're going to be able to find that data much quicker and then alert you to that. Uh, so those are some of the exciting things that we think on compliance could be very useful. Those all sound great. I think a lot of firms are going to be really revamping their entire infrastructure once these kind of tools become more mainstream. Yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly my bet. That's where I'm putting... Uh, that's where I'm putting my money. Well, good luck. I hope that things work out. I really like your product, Rob, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some the big things that are coming up at the end of this year for you guys. I appreciate that, Craig, and and to everybody who's listening. Thank you for for joining in to Craig. He's an he's an awesome guy. Love to love to hear him and all the stuff that you're doing. So keep it up, Craig. Rob, thank you so much. Take care. Hey everyone, it's Craig again. Just a few quick items before we go. If you like this episode, please give it a five-star review on iTunes. I would very much appreciate it. And remember to check out the show notes for links to everything we talked about on this episode. For more information on wealth management technology, you can read my Wealth Management Today blog at wmtoday.com. Thanks for tuning in, and I'm looking forward to talking to you all again next week.